Um, <laughs> we shall record on the beaches. We shall record on the landing. We shall record on the hills. We shall record in the streets. We shall never surrender. And that'll do. Um, I'm going to have a gap and then we're going to start. Can everybody still hear me? I thought that was the show intro. No, <laughs> it should be if it isn't. No, it should be. The proper Churchill. <laughs> episode of We're Not Wizards. I tell you something, you better sit down, buckle up, because this is going to be an adventure and a half, because I tell you something, it's already been an adventure and a half so far. Um, He was on a little while ago uh, to talk about Gloom of Kilforth. It is the one and only from Hall and Nothing Productions, the Mr. Fabulous, the Mr. Amazing, the Mr. Currently Recording Through a Piece of String and Some Tin. It's Mr. Tri- it's Mr. Tristan Hall. Hello, and, and thank you for having me. And what an amazing intro! And joining him tonight is the man who's battled through mountains, battled through ravines, battled through life itself to look at bringing his game to Kickstarter. At the moment, he's battling between juggling between using a mobile phone and using a PC in order to record the show. It's the one, the only. <laughs> The fantastic <laughs> Mr. Mark Chaplin. Say hello, Mark. Yeah, thank you for uh, for having us on. You're we're not wizards and we're not tech wizards. That's the. Uh... I think there was actually an Apple advert some time ago that was just still on YouTube because I see it when I Google we're not wizards sometimes because I'm vain and self-centered. But it is an Apple advert to say that we're tech guys, we're not wizards. So... There you go. You can you can take from that what you will. Um, <laughs> this is we've had Tristan on the show, and Tristan's lovely and fantastic and everything. But it's not about him. He's gonna kind of jump in when needs be. But it's good to have you back on, Tristan. First of all, thank you for coming back on. <laughs> Though you're gonna be wondering <laughs> Thanks for having why. Me on. <laughs> um, start with yourself. Very quickly, did you go to Aircon? And yes, I went this this weekend, yeah. And if so, was it fantastic? It was absolutely lovely. Um, Aircon is very much for the gamers rather than the traders. I mean, the, you know, the traders are there, obviously. I was there. But um, it's all about, like, the gaming. And the gaming area takes, like, twice as much space as the trade bit. Yeah. Uh, and this year they doubled in size. You know, I think it was about three years ago when it was in Mark's bedroom or something or yeah. in his house with, yeah. like, 20 people. And now... Yeah. There's like a thousands going. So no, it was really lovely. And, and um, I was surprised how many backers we met, like existing backers. You know, everyone that came over to the stand, I was getting ready to pitch our games and tell them all about Gloomy Killforth and 1066 and Lifeform. And um, they were all like, yes, I've, I've backed the first two, you know, I'm looking forward to the third one or, awesome. or some combination. of Yeah, so it was really, really lovely. And, um, and everybody there has just had friendly. So after, you know, when the trade closes at six o'clock, we just went over and 
um, sat down and had games with um, some of the guys from Board Game Geek, uh, from the One Player Guild. And, All right. Um, yeah, so it was just really, really great. I mean, it's very, I mean, yeah, I guess you could call it low-key compared to UK Games Expo, um, but it was still quite sort of a, a big event and it seems to be getting bigger every year. So. It's kind of like... you didn't go. I didn't know because it was my brother's birthday because he has to be born on the 10th of March. He has to. He has to. Every year. It's almost, <laughs> like, it's an, it's almost <laughs> like it's an annual event. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but we're not here to talk about you. Well, we're here to kind of talk about you. Did you see Rodney, by the way? I did see Rodney, yes. He was very busy and um, I, I didn't feel like it was it was the right thing to go and crowbar him away from uh, all the work that he was doing with the playthroughs and things. It would have been nice to chat to him, but it just yeah, didn't happen. I would have been right in there with the elbows up high, just barging myself <laughs> fast. <laughs> my there was a lot of that going on. In my check, in my check shirt. <laughs> in my watch, it played pin badge. Going like that, hi. Um, but then he would have probably ran away screaming the other way. Um, <laughs> for people. See, I've completely, this has completely thrown me because I haven't even done the the funniest part of the show, which is the intro bit. And I'm going to forget the middle part of the show and I'm certainly going to forget about the end. Um, Mark, <laughs> you're, you're involved with this lo- lovely example of uh, game design hood in relation to the next game that Hall or Nothing Productions is kind of bringing to the forefront. Now, one of the things that like what we like to do is we like to find out a little bit more about people's kind of history with the kind of the, the pressed and printed trees. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into the hobby, first of all, yourself? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to. I um, I started with um, print the print-to-play side. Kickstarter wasn't really um, a thing when I started uh, designing the games. And um, uh, the first one um, I designed uh, was um, uh, a game based on sieging a castle. It was a card game. And anyway, uh, a couple of games later, I um, I decided to share what I'd done online. And by that time, I'd been lurking for ages on board game geek, you know, as you do. And um, I can't even remember if I even had an account. But anyway, I, I, I created a page, put the game up there. And um, I, uh, within a short space of time, I got contacted by a Dutch company, um, White Goblin Games, and they said, could I send them, you know, a, pro- a working prototype and some rules for the game I put up there? The game was based on Aliens, uh, um, even though it wasn't the first game I designed, it was, but that's the one they were interested in anyway. So I did that, and, you know, um, long story short, um, they offered me an advance and wanted to... Uh, publish the game. Uh, so what what year was that? When was that? What when they contacted me? Crikey! Yeah. When did you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> seems like yeah, it'd be a lifetime ago. Ten sixty six tears for many. Months. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Well, the game was published in uh, seven years ago now, um, but I guess oh. they contacted me in two thousand and ten around there. Got terrible memory, so. Um, it it really does see, you know the, the definitely pre Kickstarter and anyway um so Revolver um uh, became a thing and um uh you know that that came out of the blue I didn't even have to contact anybody it was just because I was sharing stuff on the internet so um 
and print and play was more of a thing then. Obviously, now now people just tend to skip all that and put it on Kickstarter, don't they, and see if it flies, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I had quite a good relationship with them. They, they published um, a few of my games and um, some expansions for Revolver and what have you. And um, during that time, I designed some other games, some of which still, uh, you know, uh, rest um, ready for uh, launch at some point, possibly. And um, and and Lifeform uh, came along in my brain. So um, yeah, that's the, uh, the the incredibly exciting story. I, I didn't even have to send anything off to anybody. I was quite lucky, but I guess this was almost in a antediluvian age where you know old fashioned publishers um, did that kind of thing. I don't even think they pay advances anymore. Maybe they do. No, I think a lot of people do an awful lot of work and they hand stuff out and then it's not until you've I think you've got kind of like a a finished project and it's out the door yeah. that I think there's kind of any agreement with any kind of I think there's kind of any agreement with any kind of money. What kind of games do you like to design then, Mark? Um well they're all primarily um it, it's from the theme first for, for me. Uh mm-hmm. um you know I I've got to if I'm because they take so long to do, you've got to have um, you know, you've got to have some drive to get it done, but you've got to have passion for the theme of whatever the game is, whether that would be, you know, a, a historical um, reenactment or a, you know of a battle or something. But I, that that's kind of how I view uh, you know movie based games or uh, you know game based on an IP or something like that. So, but um, <laughs> nearly all my games have been science fiction. Uh, in some way or another, but that uh, I'm not quite sure. That's not by design. That's just how it's ended up. Not that they've ended up published in that form. They usually get rethemed. Um, yeah. But yeah. but uh, after so, so initially that kind of thing um, sort of bugs you a little bit. But then when so much time has passed, you almost forget what the original game was. <laughs> you know, a, I, you know, aliens becoming revolver. I, I barely even think about it as aliens anymore. Not that I play it. It's uh, you know um, that's one of the things about when when you design a game, you barely ever get to play the game after that. But um, is that through a choice thing, or is that through a fact that you've probably worked through as many iterations of the game that you're kind of like, I don't really want to touch this again. No, I'm not like that. Actually, I've seen people put blog posts and stuff about I hate my own game. I've demoed it too many times. I've got to say that's never happened. I've never got bored of uh, demoing my own game or, or, or playing them you just get to because primarily i'm designing games that i you know i'm trying no tristan feels exactly the same you're just designing games that you want to play but that don't exist mm-hmm. um that are slight you know a, not a small variation on what's come before you know qu- quite different and for me it's a conscious decision not conscious decision it's just that um, <laughs> You, you, when you go to a games evening or an event, you're not going to take your own games. You know? <laughs> You'd be what type of a dickhead would you have to be to go? Hey, I'm all in this. Their own cool. Who's the designer? Me. Let's play this. So, um, and you, yeah. Go on. I was gonna, I would, yeah. No, I was going to say if I designed a game, I would definitely be taking it about. And <laughs> no, no, I can't do that. I'm, I'm too. No, no I, I just can't. That's that's beyond me. And no. you know, we we have a games night every week and I've never suggested anything that I've designed and um, and, and I don't think anyone else would I don't know they just think it's not something done I don't know just that, so uh, I don't know what Tristan's 
uh, feels about that, but that that's my hundred uh, percent the yeah. same. Yeah. So it's almost the curse. You design the game that you want to play, and then you never get to play it once it gets published. It's um, you know, I know it's a first world problem, but it's. it's <laughs> oh, I disagree with that though, Mark, because I, I I do play it at demos all the time. <laughs> True, but what I mean is, once all that stage has gone by, you know, once the game's out there. Yeah, you're back in the middle of the design phase. Of then, another you, game, on, on that's project. it, yes, I guess. But then yeah. you don't get to then play that other game. But you, uh, Admittedly, you have played those games more than most people play other games, I would imagine. You know, hundreds, if not thousands of yeah. times are different, you know. So you've, you've, you know, you've probably got a good, you've had a good run out of it. The only problem is it's the, um, because it's reached the end point and it's as good as it's ever going to be, the published thing. That's the copy you play the least. <laughs> Isn't it? But before that, you've had bits, you post-it notes, and you know, cut-up index cards, and you know, and all the rest of it that you printed off. It. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, it, it's not conscious. It's just one of those things. I remember Vlada Chavattel saying something similar about that. He said that by the time that Through the Ages was out there and people were playing it hundreds of times, um, they were experts at it, more expert than him. Because like he'd moved on to the next projects and everything, and then these guys were becoming like savants, you know, and learning every single sort of um, every tiny aspect of the game, so that when they did the the reprint, the new story of Civilization, he had to sort of canvas the opinions of all these expert players to find out what needed changing <laughs> and everything. Because yeah. of course, by that point, that you know they're the experts. And- but I think that's a I think that's a good thing. I see it on Kickstarter quite a bit. I see um, I see quite a few. Um, guys running their campaigns, going okay. We're going to release the, the. I think the 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 most recent one was the the Simon boys doing it about the was it the Song of Fire and Ice, doing about the wargaming thing, and they were punting out the rules and saying, "What do you think of how these guys play, and what do you think of the balance on these rules?" So, I think it's worthwhile. I think you can learn something. I think the best thing to do is if you invent something or create something, and somebody comes back on with an idea that completely blows your mind about your own creation, I think that's a pretty cool thing. Or if they're willing to, if they're able to look at Definitely. stuff, I guess, a certain way. Because I think if you've been working on something for like, say, two, 18 months or two years of your life, do you know, I think it's sometimes a bit too easy to kind of get too close to the coalface that it's difficult to see, you know. Yeah, you get to, you get blinkered. Yeah. No, and, and that's how, that's how I got started designing games was uh, tinkering with other games, you know, uploading scenarios for Lord of the Rings, the card game, or the Dungeons and Dragons adventure system games, and tweaking yeah. those is how I got got my nose into sort of proper game design in the first so, place. Um, yeah. and, and No, no, what sorry, you going to say? Sorry, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, um, and then seeing other people do the same with your game, like once your game's out there, you know, it, it's, it belongs to the public almost, and so now we've got um, like fan-made scenarios for Gloom and Killforth and everything. It's absolutely fantastic. It's like full circle, you know, seeing people go and take your um, world and run with it and then add something new and, and creative to it is just, it's a brilliant feeling, it's a, I think. It's yeah. pretty cool. I guess if I somebody's sh- actually sat down taking the time. Do you get folk that have actually... I still, I, last year I designed, I, I designed two expansions for someone else's game that were, um, that were print and play just to... Uh, so I, I, I've not lost that bug. <laughs> I could have spent that time more productively creating something for me that I would have done something down the line. But yeah. it's about passion for what you want to do. And when you get gripped by something, even if it's somebody else's game, I'd much rather do that than... <laughs> so 
Yeah, you. I mean, you were obviously so into that game that you yeah. wanted to sort of get, get more involved and, and tinker with it. Yeah. So how did you? Um, how did you two meet? I mean, was it a you know an advert? You know, you know, was Blind it a board game, pub- board game publisher? Yeah. Board game publisher would like to meet board game no. designer what? for <laughs> for fun. Yeah, we we like messaged it. each other on Board Game Geek. Didn't yeah, we? we messaged each other, and then I think you phoned me up one afternoon, didn't you? Yeah, we were um, we were so, we were messaging him. <laughs> you just imagine that. Do you know who this is? Um, no, this is me. How did you just get my phone voice so perfectly? This then? is Tristan. <laughs> I'm gonna call the. I'm gonna call the. We were, we were into the same. No, no, we want to design games together, Mark. We want to design games together. <laughs> you're giving you're giving game nerds a bad name. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> it's like history in action. So no, no, it was it, no, it, it wasn't. It was um, just a mutual chat about it, um, an experience we had with um, somebody or she remain nameless that does very well on Kickstarter and, uh, currently, as well as back then. Both of us had had a sour experience, so basically we we were you know formed a brothership, but yeah, of some kind of part and. Um, uh, or fellowship or some kind, but due due to both having a sour experience with um with the publisher, and oh, okay. um, not the one I mentioned earlier, I might add. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Definitely wasn't they. Uh, so, um, you know, and it, it's and, all right. And, just and, put it in the show notes because nobody reads the show notes, and it'll be cathartic. You can put it in the show notes <laughs> just right away, and nobody will read it. It'll be like your secret diary. <laughs> so yeah, I mean. We'd sort of we'd been into the same games on Board Game Geek, so we knew each other's uh, avatars, I guess, from, from like talking about games over the years and that. And then um, we actually met at UK Games Expo. I think it was the first time we sort of met in person. Was, was that was um, that weird? And or was I, I'd it been kind of f- cool. Was it kind of hey? Did you go for the handshake? Did you go for the high five? I kind, I kind of got used to it now. I don't, I don't know how Mark feels, but like um, the, the it's meeting. Gamers at expos and stuff is sort of par for the course now. The only the only difficulty is they never look like their avatars. <laughs> they're never uh, Dragon Ball Z or whoever. Disappointingly, sounds like a Black Mirror episode where their avatars should be floating above their heads, <laughs> isn't it? Then you'd know who half the people were. It's, it's gonna, give it a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. Give it a couple of years. Everybody will have their badge with their BGG avatar on it. Should have. Yeah. yeah, that'd be cool. Well, actually. they're already doing T-shirts and stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have been known to. Kind of, you know, wear a we're not wizards T-shirt about the place. So when people go, oh, that's that's cool. What is that? Oh, oh, let me stop and tell you. In fact, let here, put these headphones on and let me give you a taster of what it's all about. Because I'm shameless. Um, such a sad little life form. But speaking of life forms. <laughs> Seamless that was. Didn't even notice. You should never point out your segues because they will come back to haunt you. (laughs) Let's let's talk about um, life for because obviously you guys got together, got together. You guys creatively got together and decided to put something together after obviously chats and stuff like that as well. So, what's life form all about? What are we expecting? Is, Is it coming to Kickstarter quite soon? Yes, this month hopefully. <laughs> so um, we've we've just got to get the um, 
the final touch is put on uh, 1066 Tears to Many Mothers, which was um, my second Kickstarter. And once we sent off the final files to print on that, we want to hit go straight away on live form. So the biggest thing from my point of view is we want to keep all of our existing backers happy and make sure that they know all of our projects are getting like 100% yes. attention. And I don't want them to think that we're spinning too many plates at once. Uh, what's difficult sometimes to convey is that actually once the files have gone off to print for a game, like with 1066, my role in that is kind of done. I'll still be observing the printing process and the manufacturing prototypes and stuff. But the design, the art and everything else is all yeah. complete. So it's kind of out of my hands. So from my point of view, I'm ready to chase onto the next project, but we just need to illustrate that really clearly to uh, our backers that, you know, that all of all of our bit yeah. is done. And so hopefully, you know, buy enough goodwill that they're okay with us launching the next project. Because I've seen other people do it where they have lots of projects Colossal. going at once and uh, you know, they're not that. coming through. Colossal have just done Western <laughs> Legends and then did Kamisama. Um, Druid City yeah. Games, you know. And it can... It can create, you know, it can create bad will, and I understand that, and so that that's crucial for for me to handle from um, like a PR point of view. But once we have sent those files off, you know, the way I see it is that the path is clear to launch live form. I mean, the fact is, it has an existing fan base already of people who want to get it on Kickstarter ASAP. You know, so it's just pleasing those people and making sure that our existing backers of our current games are also happy. So. Uh, it's just finding that balance and making sure that all of our ducks are lined up for for the launch, you know, that we've got the playthrough video ready, the um, promo video, the rule book, um, and all the, all the tasty morsels that we can share about the game. What's the message, Tristan? How do you play it? What is it? What kind of game is it? That sounds like more like a question for Mark, Mark maybe. what's the message? <laughs> how do you, <laughs> you play it? It's a team game, so um, it's a survival horror team game, um, up to four players, where one player forms um, one team. So it's you know it's one versus many, and they play um, you know an utterly hostile alien organism that is you know hell bent on destroying the other team, which the other team is formed of all the other players who work together um, and win or lose as a team. And they are playing the um, badly equipped crew of a mining starship that's about to explode, and uh, and no, you know, as bad as that would be, trying to you know uh, get to an escape emergency escape shuttle. They're also being hunted by this star beast that's almost like a space god, you know, um, that can't be killed and um, is uh, you know almost indestructible. And so. Uh, yeah, like you say, it's survival horror. It has um, elements of bluffing. It's asymmetric in that the crew um, players uh, use their own um, crew, crew action deck. The alien has got his own um, deck of cards to control his actions. It's yeah. a di- it's a diceless game. No, I mean di- no diceless is why diceless? Are you trying to remove? the chance kind of element of it. Well, obviously there's some chance because of, um, you know, the way the game plays out and you're drawing cards. But yeah. typically um, in a three or four play game, the, the crew players would go through the entire deck anyway. So amongst them, they would pick, somebody's bound to pick out the card, you know, that they would need. Um, no, it's just um, a decision not to go with dice at the beginning. You know, when you make like a mission statement, 
this game will do this, this, and this. One of the things was just didn't want. I just didn't want to do something with dice. Though dice are like you know, one of my um, uh, you know, uh, I've got that many. I'm probably in the top ten collections of uh, custom dice in England. I'm sure I've got. The, my house is absolutely groaning under funky dice. So it's not. How I, many it, dice? <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't say honestly. Right. It's it's almost an obsession in collecting. Is it so. more than seventeen? <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. That puts me in the uh, the Matt's ivory tower of dice collectors. It's got so. a D seventeen. Okay, maybe you can maybe you can answer this question. Yeah, on a D eight dice. Okay, on a D eight dice, an eight sided dice. Why have they got a line underneath the six? <laughs> to say the six is the right way up. Yeah. I don't think it's on every... To show you it's not a nine, obviously. <laughs> Tristan, I'll repeat the question. On an eight-sided dice. I don't think it's on every D8, but it's a good question anyway. Could so. you could you check through your collection? Yeah, hang on a minute. Let me just check. Every, every <laughs> demijohn I've got filled with dice there's only twenty. Right. There's only 23 dice there, because you said you've got slightly more than 17, so I'm guessing you've got about 23. <laughs> so... If, I'm guessing not all of them are eight-sided dice as well, maybe five or six. So if you could check that and you could just let us know. And again... Don't tell gonna... me you've, you've never played with that guy who's rolled it and gone, nope, that's a nine. That's definitely a nine. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've played it with somebody that didn't realise we were actually playing a dice game. Oh, I definitely win. I definitely win. It's like the magic... You're you're playing magic and you're rolling a dice. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's kind of like, that's for keeping your life points. Uh, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> how long does it take to play? You what, sorry? How long does it? How long does it take to play? Um, well, like with most most games, um, uh, experience with the, the, the systems is um, obviously quite a large factor. But typically, from ninety to sixty minutes with four players, it, one of um, one of its strengths, I guess, is it's pretty quick playing for for the type of you know what you would normally expect for a heavy theme. Um, uh, horror, you know, a game where there's com- a, a lot of conflict during it. You'd imagine you'd, you know, normally you'd suck, you, you'd suck your breath in and go, this, this is going to take all evening three or four hours. But, um, you know, there, there's a couple of different ways you could have gone designing the game. And what one version of the game would have been that, where you had tons of equipment cards and you're rolling dice and the game took all evening, or the approach that, um, that we took. So it, it's pretty fast. Obviously, if the alien is completely very efficient, and you know, and, yeah. and it, the game can go a lot quicker <laughs> because it's completely ruthless. In that, um, if the let's say um, the crew are uh, holed up in um, in a lab, say or somewhere on the starship, and there's there's four of them, and none of them have got um, a defense card, and they've done nothing as the alien approached. All the alien has to do is play one attack card to move into the room, and if the, none of them run, hide. Or defend themselves. All all those uh, crew members are dead. It's, it's, so it's um, uh, there's no there's no um, other resolution. It's completely deterministic in that fashion. So uh, the game could, one meaning is the game can go pretty quick if people if the crew are rubbish and the alien is good, then um, obviously that swings the uh, then you know, sets up another game and. Um, that doesn't happen very often, I would say. Most people are pretty canny, uh, so. Uh, <laughs> but I have seen it happen did, with three 
three characters died in one room in the first few turns, but uh, that doesn't happen very often. They, they certainly it's, don't make that mistake again. Is there player elimination then? No, can no. People... There's um, each each uh, player starts with um, two crew, each crew player, and but there are secondary roles when you have got no crew left. So, um, what the, and so you can choose one. There's two secondary roles. There's the um, the mainframe com- computer, uh, which doesn't have a piece on the board, but has an entirely um, different set of actions and um, things that they can do. You know, uh, operate security doors, close bulkheads, um, uh, switch the gravity off in localized parts of the starship, things like that. Or they can play the ship's cat, which um, which sounds like a pretty funky. You know, when it came up with that, I thought people going to think it was. Um, daft or what have you but actually that seems people most people that have been in the situation where they were picking um, a secondary role pick that uh, for playing the cat the cat moves around the starship is more efficient at moving through vents you know um, yeah. uh, and has a completely different deck of action cards but so the idea was that you could play a game where there was a lot of crew player uh, character elimination but no nobody's ever out of the game so um, and the, the crew can never kill the alien, and, it, and if they did, which would only be at the um, uh, showdown on the shuttle, if if that happened, um, the alien's never defeated. Uh, you, you you can't remove it from play. So um, you you could there's there isn't a situation where you can have where nobody's got something to do in the game. What did you call the cat? It hasn't got a name. It's just it's you just you've got to call it Jones. No, you can't. No. That's too. Oh, no. It's too uh, too close to an IP. Um, exactly. No, no. <laughs> oh, and also, it's not. It's not called the. It's not like you call in the ship the Nostromo. That's why I call the cat. It's a different starship. So, it's. Um, well, and what would you call the cat? Then? You can call it whatever they like. Bonesy. Satan. Boots. Bootsy. Bootsy. The People starship that, cat. I'd rather they imprinted it with their own um, their own silly names. All right. But uh, yeah, it's just the ship's cat at this point. So uh, have you got miniatures then? No, they're standees. You could do the alien with um, miniatures, but for speed, because this project has already um, been going on for years. Um, yeah, and uh, the, we're just going with standees. As it is, the board is massive. Um, the prototype boards have all been approximately forty inches by twenty inches, which is pretty big. You can't, you couldn't play it with any smaller. Um, due to the number of uh, rooms on the, you know, labyrinthine uh, mining vessel. But um, if you were going to play, the problem with using miniatures, if you've got a lot of characters, crew characters in one room, it, it would get messy. And um, that's a bit of a bugbear of mine. I don't particularly like games that haven't thought, thought it through. But with um, standees or um, uh, character discs, um, that, that problem is solved. So... I know that the, you know we, we obviously it's, it's been discussed, and there's no way that the game wouldn't do massively better with miniatures because all games of miniatures seem to do better regardless of quality. Um, no, I don't mean the quality. But do, do you not do you not also think that if you put a game with miniatures nowadays, and people expect a really really high standard? Of what miniature, miniature or game? They don't expect yeah, a high miniature. standard of game. I've noticed. But... <clears throat> no. Oof. <laughs> I backed some of them, so I can tell you. It's going to be a unique selling point that it doesn't have miniatures. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think of like, say, City of Kings, 
um, that's that's standees. Um, Dead of Winter, that's all standees. And I think um, there was... Glenn McKilforth. <coughs> yeah, Glenn McKilforth, standees. <laughs> I think um, it's nice to have um, not big wordly bits of plastic everywhere. I know the production value value's going to be absolutely fantastic on these things. But I think as soon as you put miniatures <clears throat> on a game, people concentrate on the miniatures yeah. and maybe don't concentrate as much on the game maybe as they could do. Yes. Yeah, and if they're not world-class miniatures, it, the, the game can really suffer in... Uh, yeah. it, its reputation can really suffer as a result. Yeah, yeah. the thing is, yeah. it's always... Um, w- w- with miniatures, I find, monsters are very easy to do uh, to recognise the board state because obviously each monster looks different, etc. But when you've got, say, 12 different crew members and they're all basically in mining overalls, it, can be di- it would be difficult without coloured bases or something. But even then, you'd have 12 different shades of... Uh, it, w- it would be problematic, I think. And like Tristan says, unless they were world-class miniatures, um, it might be difficult to tell who was who, you know, even if you're familiar with the miniatures. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know. It, and they don't, they don't really add anything to this this game. You know, the, the way that, um, as Mark described it, with over 80 chambers on the map, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to fit, you know, as soon as a couple of guys into the same room. The miniature's going to be spilling over and it's just going to look yeah. daft. It's not... Um, yeah, if you're going to... De- un- unless they're like five millimetres. If you were going to design the game for use of miniatures, let's say you, I, I work for a miniature company, but I wouldn't have designed this game. The, the functionality, the theme, you know, all of that came before thinking of anything to do with how we're going to do this with, um, you know, uh, so... But, but yeah, it, it wouldn't. It, it's ne- it was never consideration because the board was always massive. I mean, to give an example of a recent survival horror that did really well on Kickstarter, Nemesis. Now they've got fantastic miniatures, etc. But I've watched some play few videos. They've got a large board that's got approximately I don't know, ten to fifteen rooms. And in many of the situations I've watched them play, even even with just a board with twelve rooms, there's you know their space station is struggling to get the monsters and the characters. And then you know, uh, you know, spawn. They've spawned other things. It's spilling over. Um, you know, I mean, it looks it, it, it looks cool from a distance, but functionally, some some you know, they got into some uh, tricky situations where our our spaceship has got eighty rooms. You can imagine the size of the board you'd need to um, accommodate. It, I, I think if if, if a, you know if, if we were going to do miniatures, like I said at the beginning, I think the the only thing you could probably do would be the alien. Uh, the alien organism would be uh, because there, there's never the alien is never really co- coexists um, with the crew or with um, you know with its sensor ghosts so you could get away with a, um, a 28 mil miniature and I have done in some of the mm-hmm. um, demo sessions <laughs> but, um, so um, how much is it going to be to to step in or climb aboard this <laughs> ship of terror you mean how much is it going to cost for the game? Well, yeah, I was trying to be like use adjectives yeah. and similes <laughs> and poetic, lovely language, but you just brought me down to crashing brass tacks. <laughs> uh, 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 was... How much, Tristan? How much? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be for the for the base game. It's going to be hopefully less than fifty pounds. We're still waiting for the final quotes from the publishers, um, but yeah, we're aiming for forty. 40 something at the moment have you ever thought about going for a completely random number like say 4763 
You couldn't do that on Kickstarter, wouldn't they? <laughs> it has to be a round number. Oh, that's absolutely rubbish. They work better. <laughs> it's just from another... a psychological point of view, you're better off having a rounded, rounded number anyway. You know, that's yeah, I suppose. A lot of marks. But it's just and another. From, a, it's just from another... an account's point of view, <laughs> it would be an absolute nightmare. It's just another reason to me why the big the Kickstarter bubble is bound to burst if you're not allowed multiple silly numbers in decimal places. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a number of um, expansions available. Um, uh, on the Kickstarter as add-ons, but I get the price of those is yet to be, you know, uh, finalised yet. So that yeah, should be in- it should be interesting. That will well, all be available in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. Yeah. Well, what we'll do is, I mean, we'll make sure that um, when when the campaign's live, that we put out the message so everybody is kind of aware of this. Um, in the next couple of weeks, because this is, I'm aware this has been quite a short episode due to some fun and games, <laughs> which I'm not going to go into. But um, either Mark or Tristan or both of them are going to come back on. I'm recording this now and making a promise that these two are coming back on again. I don't know why I'm just saying this. I might just edit this bit out. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, we'll do that for sure. Yeah, yeah we'll be happy to. Don't keep mentioning it because it makes it more difficult for me to edit. But um, <laughs> so, what do you think people... about coming on the show again, Mark? Are you up for coming on the yes, show again, I'm Mark? Totally up for it, yes. <laughs> I hate you, Mister Hall. I hate you with a passion. Um, Is that because if... I said we're coming back on the show, Richard? No, that's not at all. I could. St- that's going to take a, a lot of editing. Um, <laughs> where do you exist on the internet webs? Where can we find you if? Uh, if we want to keep up with what you guys are going to be doing and also what we to have, keep up with um, form. We've got an official Lifeform chat group on Facebook, which is a, a burgeoning little community. Um, so you can find us on there. And myself and Mark are both active on Facebook. So you can connect with us directly. We're also on Twitter, um, the pair of us. And the uh, we've got a whole or nothing page, business page on Facebook as well. And we've got um, Facebook groups for each of our games. So for Gloomy Killforth and 1066, Tears to Many Mothers as well. Um, but if if you're interacting with uh, myself or Mark on, on Twitter or Facebook, it is just us. So feel free to contact us directly and message us. It's mine's Ninja Dog, yours is Yugblad. Yeah. No, we, we've not got an, um, a separate Twitter account for, um, for the game. I always find that annoying because usually these things, you know, they... they they get a signal boost, don't they? And then a couple of months later, no one ever accesses the account and the, the thing dies. So it's better that it's it, yeah. you've got a continual presence from, uh, you know, myself and, um, and and Tristan. And, you know, I'll, it, it's not as if I just ignore stuff about life forms. Um, so, oh, and also, if, if clearly some people listening will be on Board Game Geek and we've already, you know, there's been a page up there for years. So <laughs> they can just subscribe to the Lifeform um, page. They'll, you know, there's the, the law updates obviously will be posted there. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good shout. Actually, Board Game Geek is if you subscribe to the game on there, we'll we'll be posting all the Kickstarter updates and launch date and everything on on the uh, Lifeform page. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. been one of the benefits Brilliant. of having the game been in design about five years is that. 
It's totally covered. No, like, what I mean is, yeah. it's like um, like a trawler that's just going ghost-like up and down the coast. You know, it's tr- it, you know um, before even mention of Kickstarter, we'd already attracted like four hundred and fifty subscribers. So uh... <laughs> it's, it's just like somebody stood out the coast. Daddy, Daddy, what be that? That be the life form boat, my son. You've been going about these waters for the last five years. Is it going to stop, Daddy? Well, rumour has that that chaplain man is going to be bringing it to port in the next couple of weeks. Exactly that. Yes, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, so they yeah, they can find guys, us there as well. Okay, Daddy. And where can you find these We Are Not Wizards people? Well, you, well, son, that's a good question. Um, if you go on Twitter, you can find this is going to be one of those shows. This is going to be an absolute joy to edit. I can't wait. Um, if you go to Twitter, you can find us on We Are Not Wizards. If you go to Facebook, you can find us on We Are Not Wizards. If you go to um, Instagram, guess what? We Are Not Wizards. If you go to YouTube and search for We Are Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast, you can find us there. You can find us on Spotify. Because they said yes. <laughs> silly, silly people. Um, you can find us on Stitcher and Speaker and Player FM and Acast and Podknife. And you can even go to our website, we'renotwizards.com, and find it there as well. Um, if you like what you've listened to tonight, and um, I think you should just like it for the trauma that I've put these two gentlemen through tonight. <laughs> <laughs> It's not like these other podcasts. They know how to record properly. Shh, Mark. He's a professional. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Please go to Apple Podcasts and drop us a subscription or drop us a rating and a review. If you you are deciding to give us a review, um, don't give us a 10 because it makes us really really big. (laughs) But don't give us us a 1 because it kind of makes us cry. Give us a 5 because it's in the middle and it's average and we're a little Give him a 10. Give him no, a 10. No, no, the iTunes thing only goes up to five. <laughs> Give him a 10 anyway. Give me a 10 anyway. Or two fives. <laughs> um, yeah, but the people who have not been average tonight, it's the wonderful, fantastic trooper, designer, print and play and all-round dice master that is Mr. Mark Chaplin. So thank you for coming Oops. on, Mark. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you. It's been hilarious. <laughs> Before the show <laughs> and during. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's not go into that. That's going to be a that's going to be a good thing for this week's therapy session. And it's a goodbye to the wonderful Mr. Tristan Hall from Hall or Nothing Productions. Thank you again for coming on, sir. Thanks so much for having me back on the show. Thank you. And there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things. But we're not wizards. Are we wizards, gentlemen? Mark actually is. (laughs) Get out. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it is a goodbye from the designing life form that is Mark Chatwin. Say goodbye. Goodbye. And it's uh, that man who is, he's either worth all or he's worth nothing. It's Mr. Tristan. It's Mr. Tristan Hall. That is a heavily loaded sentence right there. <laughs> Goodbye and thank you for having me. That's all right. And uh, 
it's goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes. Um, in space, you can name your cat what you want as long as you don't name it after a popular IP. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise the big the big alien lawyers will come and get you. <laughs> we don't need that. We don't need that. But until the next time, goodbye.